the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, presented by Odyssey and Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk about defense being the calling guard for the division. Falcons have a defense. They selected Matt Corral at that position, but you know Desmond Ritter is actually a real NFL quarterback. Can you imagine saying to Vince Lombardi or Don Shula, "I need to take 10, 11 days off"? It's time for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This eight-episode series is taking you division by division, breaking down and getting you ready for the NFL season ahead. And we're doing so with the help of our Locked On local experts who know these teams better than anyone because they cover them every single Monday through Friday. That's more than 30 local experts bringing you the inside insight that you need before the NFL season. We're also joined by betting expert Lee Sterling of the Locked On Bets podcast to make sure that you set the edge and get to bring home some cash this NFL season and former NFL scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show to bring you his division predictions and of course I am your host Ross Jackson the daily host of the Locked On Saints podcast and today I get to play a little bit of a dual role as I step into the ring with my NFC South division partners so today I'll be your host but I'll also be able to participate in giving you the inside insight on the New Orleans Saints as we break down the N. FC South, a division that for a little while was consistently almost or actually sending three teams to the playoffs. Now things have started to separate a little bit, but maybe the gap between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, and Carolina Panthers isn't as wide as it was in 2021. Meanwhile, the gap between the Atlanta Falcons and the field just continues to seem to grow. You know I have to take my shots at the Atlanta Falcons, and I won't be the only one as we dive in today with the NFC South. Make or break. And now it is time for everyone's favorite NFL division, the NFC South, at least when it comes to these division, these division previews here on the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, presented by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every Day here to help me break down this NFC South are my NFC South, uh, I'll say colleagues, I guess, uh, frenemies, maybe, uh, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We got David Harrison of Locked On Bucks, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, and Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. And I, of course, am the host as well of Locked On Saints. So I'm going to be joining in on this conversation, but I get top seat in terms of the left to right here on the video side only because I'm hosting, even though the Saints did not finish first in division in 2021. However, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. So David Harrison, let's kick things off with you. What's the make or break story for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season? Uh, the interior of the offensive line, you got to mm. keep Tom Brady healthy. I mean, that's, you know, this whole thing starts and ends with Tom Brady. There's a reason uh, that Tyler Johnson wide receiver was the surprise cut of training camp. It's because the receivers they have on the roster do more today for the Buccaneers versus the future. That's the only reason you keep Julio Jones and Brashad Perryman over a Tyler Johnson is because you're not worried about tomorrow. You're just talking about today. And with the interior of the offensive line, everybody already loves to rush Tom Brady up the middle. You're just going to get it even more now. Uh, that that's considered a weakness. So that interior three, they've got to show that they're going to hold up and they've got to do it starting week one against Dallas. Yeah, that was a pretty surprising cut over uh, across the division. I'm sure many of us had our eyes on uh, where Tyler Johnson would take his next step. And a good place 
could have been the Atlanta Falcons, who, of course, have been adding uh, have been adding wide receivers over the course of this offseason. But there are some other storylines hanging around in Atlanta as well. Aaron Freeman locked on Falcons. What's the make or break story in Atlanta? Finding a replacement for Matt Ryan. And maybe they have their option in Desmond Ritter, their third round rookie draft pick who had a really solid preseason. He will be starting out the season sitting behind Marcus Mariota, who is the starter and presumably will be the Falcons starter until they are eliminated from playoff competition, which, you know, I'm sure we'll be discussing later on at what point in the season that will be. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we will get an opportunity, uh, you know, some some friendly debate there. Uh, but we'll get an opportunity at some point, hopefully, to see Desmond Ritter and see what he has and whether or not he's the long term answer as far as the Falcons quarterback position. Aaron, if you had your choice, how quickly would we see Desmond Ritter out on the field? Like if you were making that call? Well, I think I would wait a couple of weeks because the Falcons got some pretty formidable pass rushes early in the season. The Rams, uh, Cleveland with Miles Garrett, uh, Tampa Bay, San Francisco. So get through that stretch of games. Uh, let Marcus Mariota be the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, behind a very questionable Falcons offensive line. And then wait to, I think, maybe making a debut against uh, Julian's team, the Carolina Panthers, maybe in week eight. I don't know if those the end. I don't know if that's the defense to do that against. Honestly, I would love that. Honestly, yes, please let that happen. Because NFL teams absolutely draft the guy in the third round with the thought, oh, he's gonna be our franchise quarterback. Yeah, come on, bring him on. <laughs> Julian Council, that's a, a, an easy segue over to you. The uh, kind of you know make or break story over in Charlotte. Oh, well, it's quarterback, of course. Matt Rule entering his third year and his third quarterback, year one, Teddy Bridgewater. Apparently, his arm wasn't big enough, so they brought in Sam Darnold, who uh, was pretty bad. Shocker. We talked about this last year. Who could have thought <laughs> Sam Darnold, who was absolutely terrible in New York and statistically the worst quarterback since he entered the league in 2018, would also be bad in Carolina. Now enter Baker Mayfield, the former Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall pick, and the man who won a playoff game in Cleveland, but somehow is no longer there with the Browns. Uh, it's going to come down to whether Baker Mayfield can solidify the position. Scott Bitter, the general manager here in Carolina, talked about it all offseason long that they were going to add to that quarterback room. They did that by trading up in the third round to bring in Matt Corral, but the thought was never that Matt Corral Ole Miss would be someone competing for the job. So that's why they had to bring in Baker. Baker instantly, when they traded for him in July 6th of this year, was going to be the starting quarterback. They had the silly faux quarterback competition between him and Sam Darnold, the incumbent, and Baker, of course, has won. The team will go as far as Baker goes. The defense is excellent. Special teams should be improved, although losing kickers and Gonzalez can hurt them. But overall, this team was always constructed when they brought in Matt Rule back in 2020 to compete in year three. And the only chance they had to do that with that defense and with improved special teams is with Baker Mayfield playing like he played at the end of the 2020 season when he helped Cleveland beat the brakes off the Steelers and had him very close to an AFC championship game during that pandemic season. Makes a ton of sense. I, I'm very interested, of course, with all the quarterback narratives around the NFC South. That could certainly be the case for the New Orleans Saints as well. But I actually think that the make or break story in New Orleans comes down to their defense. Can the defense continue to be what it's been over the course of the past few seasons, past couple of seasons? They've been a top five scoring defense. And last year, they were a defense that led the way to a winning record of nine and eight, but still a winning record, I guess, uh, with four different quarterbacks and 58 different starters and two different head coaches at one point, you know, with them having, of course, uh, Dennis Allen leading the way in their uh, Tampa Bay Sunday night matchup. And so 
I, I look at this defense led by Demario Davis and Cam Jordan, who Aaron Freeman conveniently forgot to mention in that pass rusher group that the Falcons will face and struggle against early on in the season. And, you know, guys like Tyron Matthew now being added to that group, of course, that's the unit for me that's going to win you or lose you games, regardless of who's playing quarterback. And and I'll be honest, I don't think I really got my comeuppance last year in this uh, in our divisional roundtable here when for the year before that, when I said there's absolutely no way that Jameis Winston would ever be a New Orleans Saint because he's so counterintuitive to what it was that Sean Payton wanted. And I feel like nobody gave me crap for that last year. So I'm here to own up to it myself right now because Jameis Winston has proven to be much better in terms of uh, somebody that at least has a propensity to give the ball away over the course of the small sample size we saw last season and, of course, during the preseason and training camp this year. So uh, I'll, I'll take myself to task on that. But when it comes to all four of these NFC South teams, I think that defense ends up becoming sort of the division for all of them, but then quarterback as well. So here's my question. Now that we have Marcus Mariota, we've got Baker Mayfield in the division. We know Tom Brady is far and away the best quarterback in the division, but who's the second best quarterback for anybody that wants to jump in? Well, it's not Marcus Mariota, unfortunately. No, and no. You talk about defense being the calling card for the division. The Falcons have a defense? Uh, oh, no, no. I just meant that it was a conversation. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, 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 clearly, the Falcons, I don't, I, Falcons don't have a defense as far as I know. I was confused. I thought I misheard you. Relax. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> I, I will say this, though. I, I am a believer in Jameis Winston, and he was playing really well last year before he went down with that knee injury, and I think there's a possibility that Jameis Winston can be the second-best quarterback in this division. He had the epic 30-for-30 season. That should go down as like a 30-for-30 on ESPN or anything. Can't wait to care. see it. I loved it. And I think Jameis can reel it in and can be a good quarterback for New Orleans. And had he stayed healthy, that's a playoff team a year mm-hmm. ago. So the Saints can be a dangerous team. Baker Mayfield, it depends on which Baker you get. Do you get the Baker from last year? And I understand the shoulder injury, but still, Baker wasn't great a year ago. He decided to play through that injury. Or do you get the Baker in the second half of the 2020 season? Or do you get the Baker from his rookie year, who was playing pretty well when Hugh Jackson was the head coach? If he's consistent, he can be the second one. But right now, I'm far more comfortable going with Jameis Winston as second-best quarterback. Marcus Mariota, love the guy back when I used to cover the Titans in Tennessee. It's just, it's it's not happening for him, unfortunately. Aaron, care to step up for your guy there? Or you think I Desmond Ritter is the second best quarterback in the... Yeah, in the I would I would go with Desmond Ritter here. But um, <laughs> I, I think really the situation here for the, who's the second best, it doesn't really matter because all three of these teams, whether we're talking about the Falcons and Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston with the Saints and Carolina with Baker Mayfield, all three of those teams are going to do their damnness to protect and prevent their quarterback from having a major impact on the game by running the football. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the not the case in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, where they will let him throw the ball 50, 60 times because they know that's the way that they can win football games. And the more Jameis Winston throws the football, the more it leads to turnovers. And Baker Mayfield by no means has shown in Cleveland that he is a guy that can lead a pass first offense. And the same can be said about Marcus Mariota. So whether you put these guys two, three, four, you just throw them in a hat, pick out a random name, and you can make an argument that they're the second best or the worst quarterback in the division. I don't know about second best for Marcus Mariota, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, David Harrison, locked on Bucks. You get to cover the best quarterback in the division, maybe the best quarterback to ever play the game, as far yeah. as we as far as we know. Who, from your perspective, is the next guy? It's Jameis, and and you know Jameis has always been the guy that had the arm, he had the the requisite talent and the tools to do the job. 
it was really a lot of it was about mentality and how much was put on his shoulders. And you look at the New Orleans Saints and they're doing kind of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a little bit too late in the Jameis Winston experience in Tampa. And that is they're putting a defense on the field that's going to prevent Jameis from having to be the hero week in and week out because that's when he gets in the most trouble is when he starts to play hero ball. Usually he's playing hero ball because he needs to play hero ball because his team needs a hero. And, you know, he's going to go out there and try to be that guy. Uh, Baker, and now that he's kind of reeled that in a little bit, the mentality is is better, I think, with the New Orleans Saints. I think you're going to see a better version of Jameis. Baker Mayfield, I almost kind of wonder if maybe he's got too much to prove in this situation. It's always been Baker against the world, but I feel like he's going to go into every single game looking to prove the Cleveland Browns wrong. And while you love that kind of fight back in a guy, I think maybe it's going to be a little too much fight back. And, and basically, Baker's going to be out there sparring against ghosts and I don't know. I think that's going to bite them in the butt a little bit more than it's going to help them. We'll see. Maybe I, I, I'm, I'm wrong on Baker, but I think Jameis, just because the mentality I feel like is better, it has that edge over over Baker right now. Surprised nobody uh, nominated Taysom Hill for second best quarterback in the oh. uh, in the division, or PJ Walker for that matter. The only uh, undefeated quarterback in the yeah, or yeah, or Andy Dalton, of course, right? All right, let's look next at uh, as as we look through. Obviously, these teams will go uh, the way of their quarterback. So that brings us to our division predictions. Division predictions. And as we always do throughout the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, we go to our good friend Matt Williamson, who will give us his thoughts on who or how the NFC South will shake out in 2022. We'll come back to you guys for some reaction. NFC South, Atlanta is clearly four for me. Carolina is clearly three. Saints are two. Bucks are one. Probably no surprise there. Atlanta's a team that absolutely could pick first in the draft next year. They really only have five to eight foundational pieces in place right now. They won seven games last year, but they allowed 146 more points than they than they scored. I mean, that's a problem. You look at the Panthers. I think just having an NFL quarterback and an NFL offensive line, both of which they now have, will make them respectable, make the defense's life a lot easier. And if you look at the Carolina offensive stats last year, any way you look at it, they're at the bottom of the league, where I think they'll at least be middle of the road, maybe be an eight-win team or so this season. I have really high hope for the Saints. I wish Sean Payton was still in charge, but there's still a lot of continuity there. They're a hard team to find weaknesses for right now. They're in it to win it. They've mortgaged out their credit cards. They are. They went out and got two first-round picks, no matter what the cost. I'm a Jameis Winston believer. I think their defense is exceptional. And don't forget how bad the weapons were that the Saints had last year. It's going to be noticeably better in 2022. But I'm not quite ready to unseat the Bucks in the NFC South. They still have Brady. You know, they have a great roster, although some injuries and some offensive line changes might not be a good omen for an old team like this, but uh, the Godwin signs are positive. I don't think the coaching change is a problem at all, might even help the organization. I'm a Todd Bowles believer. So I think the Bucs will be very much in contention to get a first round bye. Uh, I think the Saints will end up in the playoffs and the, the Panthers might as well. 
Aaron Freeman locked on Falcons. I didn't realize, I didn't mean for you to come in and get like pummeled by everybody in here and everything like that. I, I truly did not plan for that. I thought we would just have a little bit of fun, but then Matt Williamson kind of showed up with the haymakers and I had no control over anything uh, in terms of that. How, how do you feel about the outlook of the Atlanta Falcons via uh, former NFL scout Matt Williamson here? I, look, I, I can't really disagree with Matt's uh, order of the division. I think the Falcons are certainly the favorite to finish dead last in the division, although I will quibble with Matt a little bit. I don't think they're the uh, favorite to to pick over number one overall. I think that's the task for the Chicago Bears. Uh, mm-hmm. They're overwhelmingly the favorite in my book. But the Falcons certainly are a contention for the number two overall pick, I would say. <laughs> this is very, very, very astute delineation there between uh, number one and number two. Uh, Julian Council, he's talking about the Carolina Panthers being a playoff team. Can you see that shake out for the Panthers this year? Yeah, I can see it shake out, particularly what, what he said about the quarterback play and Baker Mayfield now being in Carolina. Also, the offensive line is probably uh, the other big storyline for Carolina, drafting mm. Iki Iquanu out of NC State to be the starting left tackle. Brady Christensen, who they drafted a year ago, third round out of BYU. He's going to be the starting guard. Bradley Bozeman, who they got in free agency from Baltimore, should be the starting center. And then Austin Corbett, who won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles, the Rams, going to be the starting right guard. That's four different starters, four new starters, rather, on the offensive line next to Tyler Moten, the right tackle, who got paid big time a year ago. That's been one of the biggest issues for Carolina, not just the quarterback position, because Darnold, as bad as he was, didn't get much of an opportunity at all to have success. And even Teddy Bridgewater was behind a pretty porous offensive line the last couple of seasons, and they have not had a stalwart at left tackle since Jordan Gross retired in 2013. So I I agree with him that they can be a playoff team. Like New Orleans, that's a team absolutely that should have been a playoff team last year, had Jimmy Garoppolo also not had that fourth quarter comeback with the 49ers. Week 18 on the road against the Rams. Like I can see Carolina being a playoff team, along with Tampa, who I think is probably going to win a division again. Although I just don't think Tampa Bay, though, has as big of a gap between them and New Orleans and Carolina that they had a year ago. I think Carolina's done a lot of things to improve the roster. And the Saints, it's not like they were a bad team last year. just didn't have a healthy quarterback all season long. David Harrison locked in Bucks. How do you feel about that gap in between the Bucks and some of the other teams in the division? I think it's small. I think it's smaller than a lot of people really realize. I think, Julian, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that, you know, I still think the Bucks roster just, you know, uh, side by side is probably still better. But I, I mean, I think the New Orleans Saints are getting slept on a little bit, to be, to be quite honest with you. And then the Carolina Panthers, especially in this conference in this year, I think. And the only division that probably can't realistically look at three teams and say they could make the playoffs is probably the NFC North. And I even put the NFC East in there just because. There are some soft schedules in that division that could help kind of elevate teams that maybe aren't as good uh, yeah, as they, they really are. That's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And they play, and they play, each other. <laughs> and they all get, they all get to play the Giants twice, except for New York. So that's that's you know that's the NFC East Atlanta Falcons. But um, you know, I, I think that 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 gap that wasn't meant to be a shot. I'm sorry, Aaron. Um, <laughs> that, you know, I think the gap is very small. And I mean, look, if if the New Orleans Saints win this division, I honestly wouldn't be completely surprised. I would be a little, I guess, disappointed, but. I mean, there is a lot of talent there. Like Matt said, you know, the, the weapons are a lot better this year than they were last year. Jameis, again, is a year smarter. He's, a, he's obviously bought in to what New Orleans was selling him. And again, I look at that defense, man. They've done a lot of work on that defense to try to keep these scores low so that Jameis isn't out there trying to come back from 10 points, 17 points down uh, and, and get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, you guys are kind of doing you know, you guys are doing the heavy lifting on the New Orleans Saints for me. I kind of get to sit back here and relax while you uh, while you guys praise the team a little bit. But I do think that there is something about the New Orleans Saints that 
there's a series of things that have to go right, right? The quarterback play has to go right. And so what did the Saints do? They put the weapons around Jameis Winston that allow you to operate close to the line of scrimmage. Michael Thomas comes back, which allows you to do that. Jarvis Landry comes in. He allows you to do that. Chris Olave can get downfield. But what we've seen from him in practice and training camp is a guy that's really a three-level threat. You can utilize him close to the line of scrimmage as well. You move Taysom Hill to a role that I think arguably he is much better suited for, which is a pass catcher, somebody involved in that area of the game as opposed to being a quarterback or a thrower. You've got Alvin Kamara. You have this defense, uh, David, as you mentioned, that can help to keep the scores low. And I know that they had the big surprise trade on cut day, trading CJ Garner-Johnson to the Philadelphia Eagles. But there's a lot of signs pointing to the fact that that could actually be a net positive as opposed to a net negative for this team, depending upon how, let's just say, personalities were unfolding over time. And so there's a whole bunch of like those little pieces there that you kind of have to answer. I think the biggest thing, though, that or, or that the Saints have helped to try to answer ahead of time, the biggest thing, though, that's a question mark that I think they still don't necessarily know what the answer is yet. You have to see how it plays out on the field is replacing two safeties, replacing Malcolm Jenkins, replacing Marcus Williams. Now you did it with a couple of, uh, of really, really good safeties in Tyra Matthew and Marcus May. Marcus May has got some legal issues that have popped up that are 15 months old. And he's also got some that are, that feel like they're 15 hours old right now. And so there's a lot going on in terms of what the Saints safety position might look like. Justin Evans, David Harrison, you are very familiar with guys, maybe been one of the most impressive players so far this offseason. He could help to fill in that role if, as we know, the legal process in, in the NFL moves uh, very slowly, uh, or the legal process for NFL players tends to move very slowly. We certainly got to look at that over the course of the past two years. And so I think that you know there are some questions that still need to be answered. And if those answers are thumbs down, then it could put the Saints in a pretty bad position. But if they're able to answer that, and then of course, that left tackle spot, that's going to be big. Any disagreements at all in terms of that four to one finish with the Atlanta Falcons at four, Carolina Panthers at three, New Orleans Saints at two, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers at one. Does anybody see the division shaking out any differently than that? Because I'm pretty aligned with Matt Williamson personally. I, I think personally for me, like with Carolina, I, I've been fairly bullish on this team. Like I thought Darnold stunk and I didn't trust the offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to go five and 12 though. I thought they'd at least could, could get to seven, maybe eight wins. Like I did mm-hmm. not expect him to be that bad. This year I'm expecting a pretty big jump because of the quarterback play, the offense line, and even the improved special team, something that people don't talk a lot about. But the thing about Carolina, when you look at them compared to the Falcons, not the Falcons, but the Saints and the Bucks in that gap, they just don't have the experience of having been to the playoffs and knowing how to win games. A lot of mm-hmm. the young players like Jeremy Chin, like Brian Burns, and even Shaq Thompson, Christian McCaffrey, like they weren't a huge part of the last time they went to the playoffs back in 2017. Those guys have to learn how to win. And I, my hope is that they'll do that this upcoming season. But until they prove it, it's hard not to go Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina, and then way down there, Nor- uh, Atlanta. <laughs> and, and, I, and I blew tough. the zinger. Blew the zinger. <laughs> it's going to be tough, you guys, giving the Saints all this love. And, you know, when the Falcons beat them in week one, it's going to be devastating. What did I do to deserve that, Aaron? That would be what did I do to deserve that? All, I, all, all I've been here doing is moderating and telling the truth. That's all that I've been doing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It is going to be uh, a firefight, though, between those two teams. One of the best rivalries in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints and Atlanta Falcons, of course, kicking off the season. And there's going to be, obviously, team success that's measured in that. But it's going to come down to the individual players that can make it all happen. And that's where we're going next here on the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. The impact players and the new faces that can make an immediate impact for these NFC South teams. Got that coming up for you here in just a moment. 
Impact Players. All right, everybody, continuing on with the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, breaking down the NFC South, David Harrison of Locked On Bucks, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, and Julian Council of Locked On Panthers, and myself, Ross Jackson, of course, of Locked On Saints. Now, Julian, let's start with you this time, looking at the impact players for the Carolina Panthers. We'll get to some of the exciting new faces that are going to be in the Carolina Blue here in just a little bit, but... First of all, some of those players that maybe have been around for a while and that can make an impact in 2022. Well, hopefully Christian McCaffrey, fingers crossed that he stays mm. healthy. He's only played in 10 games the last two seasons since Matt Rule took over. And during that time, Matt Rule's record is 10 and 23. Now, they didn't win every single game that McCaffrey played. And I do sometimes question how important Christian McCaffrey is to winning, considering the times that, that they've leaned upon Christian McCaffrey in the past game, particularly the Panthers have not had that much success. But it's inarguable that when he's healthy, he's one of the top offensive weapons in the NFL. The key is win. He has not been healthy the last two to- the last few seasons, but when he has, he's cooked the competition. And he needs to be an impact player for Baker Mayfield and for this offense to be able to take that step to self The offense line, on paper, should be much better than it was last year. Like You can't get much worse than what they were. And the quarterback play should be better. DJ Moore... He's been excellent the last couple of years as one of the more underrated, undervalued wide receivers in the NFL. And then Robbie Anderson need to see if he can take a step the step up this year after really having a tough season a year ago. So when I'm looking at impact players in Carolina, it's Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the impact players in the National Football League. Yeah, great selection there. And I think there are a lot of fantasy players that are hoping for that too, that maybe got Christian McCaffrey a little bit cheaper this year than they expect to uh, have gotten him over the course of the past few years. David Harrison, Locked Up Bucks, let's go to your next impact players. We've discussed Tom Brady, but who around him helps it all happen? And of course, over on the defensive side as well. Yeah, I mean, I was going to start on the defense. I'm going to go with Vita Vea, the defensive tackle that I know a lot of people have praised and have, have realized is very good, but uh, just became a team captain on Monday for the first time in his career. So that's nice. that's kind of a new step for him. And during the offseason, back before, you know, Bruce Arians uh, stepped down from his head coaching position and Tom Brady uh, was coming back from from retirement and all that stuff, uh, they talked about wanting to get a better organic pass rush from their three down linemen in their base package. And I think that they did. They took some steps forward trying to do that. And Dominican Sue was, was a great presence, but not as much of a pass rusher. I don't know if Akeem Hicks is really all that much of an in, improved pass rush compared to Ndamukong and Sue, but that's really where this team wants to get better is getting a pass rush uh, presence from that front. And I think Vita Vey has got to be that guy. You know, I don't know if he'll ever be an Aaron Donald, but one of the things that makes Aaron Donald great is even when you double team, he can still make noise and still do things. And Vita absorbing blocks to, to free up other guys is great, but I think you want to see him take that next step to be a guy that not only absorbs those blocks, but can also get away from them from time to time and do things organically on his own. And then on offense, I think you got to look at Mike Evans. So you got to look at, at the I'm veteran sorry, wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta look at you gotta look at the veteran wide receiver, the NFL record holder for consecutive thousand yard seasons to start an NFL career, sorry. continue trying to continue uh that. He's look, he's in rarefied air, and he's got you know, he's like three touchdowns away and, and a couple hundred yards away from joining Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald to do something uh that not many wide receivers have done in their first nine years of their NFL career. So he's gotta be that kind of stabilizing presence as Chris Godwin gets healthy. And some of these other wide receivers kind of get up to NFL shape and speed uh, within the playbook. Glad I got to get that little joke in there for yeah. Locked on Bucks co-host. I noticed you haven't mentioned Michael Thomas yet, although I don't I, know who that is, because when well, you do, I have to say who. Oh, I think I think you know exactly who that is, and I will be talking about him here soon. But first, Aaron Freeman, Locked on Falcons. Uh, Marcus Mariota, the quarterback we've talked about, but are there some of those players around him on the offensive side that are helping to make it happen? And are there any of those impact players, obviously, uh, or of course, on defense as well? 
Yeah, on offense, the Falcons have Kyle Pitts, their second-year tight end, uh, who had a historic season for a rookie tight end a year ago with over a 1,000 yards, the first time a tight end has done that in his rookie season since uh, Mike Dicka did it uh, 60 years ago, I believe. Uh, And so Pitts is poised for a breakout season. Him and Mariota have built a, a nice rapport over the summer, and it's basically we're back to seeing if Kyle Pitts can kind of grow into that unicorn of a tight end and be that dominant difference maker that everybody's attention is focused on each week in their defensive game plans, much as we experienced for the previous decade when Julio Jones, uh, now in Tampa Bay, uh, lined up for the Atlanta Falcons. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's not a a great unit, but they do have some key players. Grady Jarrett up front, uh, down off of a a down season a year ago, sort of adapting to the new sort of 3-4 style of defense, absorbing a lot of double teams, and the Falcons really didn't have anybody on their front a year ago that could make defenses pay for doubling and triple teaming Grady Jarrett down to down. And hopefully they think they've added a couple of those pieces this all season. So that should allow Grady Jarrett to have a rebound season and return to his status as one of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL. And then on the back end, uh, another young talented phenom, AJ Terrell, arguably yeah. the best cornerback in the league a year ago. Uh, and, you know, he's been playing lights out uh, these past two seasons and you know we're just looking to see if the sky is the limit on how good he can be can he build off of a a season where he was arguably the best cornerback in the league can he be even better than that and I think the potential is certainly there that he can be that sort of shut down uh you know corner that you know and we can talk about Terrell Island much like we used to talk about Rebus Island back in the day Julian Council Lockdown Panthers I want to go back to you for just a moment because I realized we didn't get a defensive play. I didn't ask you for a defensive player. Anybody who stands out for you over on the defensive side for the Carolina Panthers? JC Horn. We only saw him for mm. th- really 10 quarters last season when he broke his foot during that Thursday night football game on the road against Houston. It's in a way his rookie year all over again here in Carolina. And the expectation a year ago was that he was going to be their number one corner. And that's who he was through the first 10 quarters before he went down. And the expectation again is that he'll be that alongside Dante Jackson and CJ Henderson. With those three, you have two former top 10 picks and Horn and in Henderson, who they traded for a year ago uh, from Jacksonville. And then Dante Jackson entering his fifth year just got paid this past offseason, mm-hmm. second round pick. So there's a lot of talent in that cornerback room. If those top three guys can stay healthy, this was already one of the best passing uh, defense units last season. And with JC Horn healthy this year, I think he, they can really step up and be even better than a year ago. So he's certainly someone defensively that I'm looking out to see what kind of impact he can have if he can stay healthy this 17-game season. Dante Jackson, of course, former LSU Tiger. I would say go Tigers, but I'm still kind of aching from Sunday night, so I'm just going to pass on that. Uh, <laughs> roll wave here in Tulane. Uh, so for the New Orleans Saints, uh, there are a couple of different players I can highlight on the offensive side. I'll quickly mention Alvin Kamara, but everybody knows what it is that Alvin Kamara brings uh, maybe right alongside Christian McCaffrey, one of the best, if not you know, in conversation for the best multi-use or, you know, multifaceted um, uh, all around running back in the NFL. Just has to stay healthy. And, you know, hopefully, you know, there's a potential suspension for him that, you know, another court case that just keeps getting kind of pushed down the road and pushed down the road, pushed down the road that maybe won't actually impact him in 2022. We'll see where that goes. But for me, the the two most important players in the offense, not named Jameis Winston, are going to be left tackle James Hurst. And then, of course, wide receiver 
receiver, Michael Thomas. And James Hurston won't spend too terribly much time on because everybody wants to hear about the wide receiver, of course. But, you know, like the Saints are replacing Teron Armstead, that those are a big pair of shoes to fill. First round selection, Trevor Penning is going to be out at least until, you know, some point in November, maybe even be healthy in November, but not really even see the field his rookie year. We'll see. And so James Hurst is the one that's charged now with, you know, protecting the blind spot for Jameis Winston and keeping him healthy. But outside of that, you're returning for your five starting offensive linemen, which is a good place to be. But Michael Thomas is the big story here in terms of the biggest return for the New Orleans Saints, particularly over on the offensive side. He allows you to work a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage if you're Jameis Winston, which is really helpful uh, in terms of you know any concerns about going downfield, although he's been more accurate downfield than anywhere else throughout his career. But he's looked fantastic throughout camp, particularly when targeting Michael Thomas, because that's what Michael Thomas does, right? He catches 80 plus percent of passes from Teddy Bridgewater when other receivers can't. He catches 80 plus percent of passes from Taysom Hill when other receivers can't. That's just who Michael Thomas is. So if you get some version of Michael Thomas, it's not the 2019 version, can be the rookie year version of Michael Thomas, and you're in a much better position than you were at wide receiver last year. Over on the defensive side, for me, the best player on this New Orleans Saints roster is Demario Davis, the star linebacker uh, there who is the heart and soul and the brain as well of that defense. Cam Jordan, of course, is in that conversation. Uh, and there's some new faces that I'll discuss here in a little bit. But Demario Davis is the New Orleans Saints defense. And this is a guy that is, I think, the only one for the past three or four seasons to have over 100 plus tackles, uh, more than 10 tackles for a loss and three or more sacks in each of those seasons. He's the only player to do that in that span. And the only other player to do it multiple times is Roquan Smith. And we don't even know what's going on with him and the Chicago Bears. And those are the guys that I think are have been around for a little while that can have that immediate impact would be those impact players. But now let's get to the new faces. New faces. Let's start off going back to David Harris and Locked on Bucks. Who are some of the new faces that are going to be helpful over in Tampa? Yeah, so on defense, I mean, not not a new player on the team per se, but a new starter, Joe Tryon Schwinka, last year's first-round draft pick, replacing Jason Pierre-Paul. And you go back to that pass rush and how the Buccaneers want to get that organic rush from their, from their down linemen. But at the same time, you still need to at least maintain the amount of pass rush you had coming from the outside with those stand-up linebackers. And Shaq Barrett, you know what he's going to bring. So Joe Tryon Schwenka, he's had a really good camp, really good preseason. So you just got to see that translate into the regular regular season now that there are consequences, now that mistakes actually matter. You got to see if that young guy can go out there and fire off on all cylinders. Then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, former Atlanta Falcon, not Julio Jones, but actually Russell Gage. Julio, you know, we know what kind of Julio can bring at it when he's at his best and he's looked really good. But I think Russell Gage brings a dynamic to the Buccaneers offense that they really lost when uh, Antonio Brown did did his thing. Uh, against the New York Jets last year. And I think that's something, you know, again, you don't need him to be AB at AB's best, but you just need him to be that type of a threat. And when he's healthy, you've seen that he's been able to do that. And him paired with Scotty Miller, who uh, is going to surprise people maybe this year if he can stay healthy with some of the things that he's been working on uh, as well in his game. is just going to give the Buccaneers a little bit of a dynamic that not a lot of people are going to expect to see out of them. Uh, let's go over to Aaron Freeman, locked on Falcons, some of the new faces that could have an immediate impact in 2022 for Atlanta. 
Yeah, it's all about finding compliments to some of those players that I already mentioned as far as their key playmakers. You have Casey Hayward lining up at cornerback across from A.J. Terrell because of how good A.J. Terrell was. Quarterbacks avoided his side of the field. It was a no-fly zone, and they really attacked the other corner in Fabian Moreau a year ago. The Falcons feel like they got a major upgrade with longtime veteran uh, ball hawk corner Casey Hayward. And so when defense or, or offenses do that and try to attack AJ, the opposite side of the field from where AJ Terrell lines up, Casey Haywood will be there to make plays. As I mentioned, Grady Jarrett was constantly doubled and triple teamed uh, a year ago, and the Falcons had no playmakers, no other pass rushers that could take advantage of those one on ones uh, and give this team a viable pass rush. Now, Lorenzo Carter, their free agent pickup from the New York Giants, uh, and Arnold Ebichetti, their second round draft selection out of Penn State, certainly are not necessarily household names, but certainly can provide some juice as pass rushers to take take some of the pressure off of Grady Jarrett and give the Falcons hopefully a pass rush that will not finish dead last in the NFL a year ago with only 18 sacks. Maybe, just maybe, we're crossing our fingers that they can break into 30 sacks for the first time in, in several years here in Atlanta. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you have Drake London, their number one overall draft selection. So when defenses are keying on Kyle Pitts at that tight end position, they need to have another playmaker uh, out there on the outside that can make plays and Drake London's a player that reminds me a lot of that number one wide receiver in New Orleans in Michael Thomas, the slant king. And we're hoping that, you know, Drake London can diversify his routes a little bit more than what Michael Thomas does in New Orleans uh, and be that playmaker for the Falcons. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position. And, you know, I know Julian said you don't draft franchise quarterbacks in the third round. I know that's something that Carolina doesn't do because they've selected Matt Corral at that position. But, you know, Desmond Ritter is actually a real NFL quarterback quarterback and we'll be you know hopefully winning some games for the opposition finally some fight back from aaron freeman julian council will bounce to you uh some of the new faces that could have an impact in 2022 for carolina uh but feel free to take the take a stand for a second <laughs> uh well no definitely not i've been trying to tell people since they drafted corral that like you don't draft a dude in the third round expecting to be your franchise quarterback mm. they did that because the trade talks to cleveland for baker mayfield stalled and they mm. panicked and they've done what they've done, just trying to find a quarterback. But no, Matt Crow, we will not see him this year as he uh, has a list Frank injury and had surgery two weeks ago. So unfortunately, he'll probably never get an opportunity to even play meaningful snaps in Carolina. And that's really not the worst thing, because, again, you don't got draft guys in the third round. Like, look at Houston. Davis Mills only started last year because Tyrod get injured. And they're going to see if he's any good this year. And if he's not, they're going to draft someone else out of college in the first round, like all NFL teams do, that actually are trying to find a quarterback um, through the draft. Either way, and <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate Aaron fighting back. As far as new faces, we know about Baker Mayfield. Like He's the headliner. Ikea Kwanu, who I mentioned earlier, left tackle at NC State, is going to start game one against Miles Garrett and that Cleveland Browns defense. He will be someone that people look at. I went over the offensive line earlier. But, but one player I'm honestly – really interested in to see how he plays is Damian Wilson. He started out his career in mm. Dallas, linebacker from Jacksonville, came over in free agency. The Panthers have had a long line of really good middle linebackers, just linebackers, period. Luke Keekley, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Thomas Davis was incredible during his career. John Beeson had some really good years in Carolina. Dan Morgan, who's now the assistant journal manager here in Carolina, had 20, Super Bowl, had 20 tackles in a Super Bowl. So they've had good linebackers. The last couple of years, though, especially at the middle linebacker position, it's been lacking. To hear Whitehead was an absolute liability back in 2020. Only reason he was on the roster is because he played 
for Matt Rule at Temple, which is pretty much the prerequisite to be a Carolina Panther anyways. <laughs> um, and then last Shout out season, Keith Kirkwood. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he keeps getting injured, unfortunately. I know, and then last season, Jermaine Carter Jr., who's now in, in Kansas City, I think he made the roster. They don't have no clue, but he wasn't great. They brought in Denzel Perryman a year ago. He just didn't fit them, mm-hmm. goes to Las Vegas, becomes a pro bowler. Clearly, that was a bad decision that Carolina made. He was injured throughout, the, throughout training camp. But I'm interested to see what Damian Wilson can do because this team has not been good against the run. Even dating back to 2019, Luke Keekley was still here, and he could be a key for this team if they're going to be better against the run. Matt Ioannidis as well, uh, who's coming over, played at Temple, of course, played in Washington to start off his career. He's been someone in the interior. We talk about Tom Brady and that, that Bucks interior offensive line and where they can protect him. He might be someone in that game that's going to be called upon as well. Etor Grossmatos was a second-round pick out of Penn State in 2020. Morgan Fox was a starter at defensive end a year ago. Panthers cut him to allow Grossmatos to have the opportunity to be that starting defensive end, and they're going to move him inside and outside this upcoming season. So really, those are kind of the guys I'm looking at going mm-hmm. to the season that have the new faces. And even Xavier Woods, the free safety who, started, who played and started every snap last year in uh, Minnesota with the Vikings. Those guys, those newcomers who are filling the holes on the defense, I'm interested to see what kind of role they can have for a unit that was already, well, number two overall as far as team defense goes, although they were lacking as far as takeaways. And in the red zone, they weren't very good there. But overall, it was a pretty strong unit, adding some veteran presidents and some young players who project to be solid assets for this team this upcoming season. So outside of Baker and the offensive line, that's those defensive pieces that I'm looking at for Carolina as far as new faces here in 2022. Got a couple of new faces I'll talk about for the uh, New Orleans Saints, but I-, I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask Aaron Freeman: D- Do we see Deion Jones back in Atlanta at all here in 2022, or has that situation gotten way out of hand? I know he's on injured reserve right now, right? Yeah, it seems like every time the Falcons have an opportunity to welcome Deion Jones back with open arms to the roster and to allow him to contribute to the team, something happens conveniently mm-hmm. to get him, you know back away from the team and now the latest uh indicator is him going on ir at least for the first four weeks of the regular season so i do not expect to see Deion jones uh play a snap for the atlanta falcons i however i did not expect him to be on the roster when training camp began uh Mm -hmm. i did not expect him to be on the roster after final cuts were made so every time i say i don't think Deion jones is going to be around any much longer they wind up finding a way to keep him but uh, we'll just sort of have to see. I think he will be a, a player that teams, if they want to make a trade at the trade deadline, teams looking for linebacker help. And I know, you know, several teams in this division could use a boost there, with probably the exception of Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Falcons will make a trade within the division, but certainly they will be among teams that may be calling the Falcons. When Washington could use them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I was going to say former New Orleans Saints uh, staff member there, Terry Fontenot, maybe uh, is willing to cut a deal with the New Orleans Saints. We'll see. And hey, all that I heard there too, Aaron, is that the Atlanta Falcons need to be cutting you a check for keeping Deion Jones around for as long uh, as they've been able to, because clearly it all comes down to you saying that he's not going to be on the roster at any X point. So I'm just saying, I'm trying to get you paid. Uh, as for new faces, of course, as for new faces here to wrap us up for the New Orleans Saints, uh, on the offensive side, two big names, uh, rookie Chris Olave, their top draft selection, Ohio State Buckeye coming in. David Harrison and I have gone back and forth about this guy for years now, both of us, uh, fans of the Buckeyes as well as fans of Chris Olave and, uh, just his style of play, his game. And now it's finally happened and he's in New Orleans. So he has the opportunity to be, uh, an immediate impact player at a position where the New Orleans Saints struggled 
quite a bit to A, have options in the first place, starting guys like Chris Hogan and Kenny Stills at different points in the season, and uh, also B, staying healthy at that position as well, or even just availability, even with a guy like Deontay Hardy having a three-game suspension last year. Uh, Jarvis Landry, of course, who we mentioned earlier, that kind of gives you a little bit of that secure, close to the line of scrimmage play, possession guy. He's somebody, of course, that comes in as a new face that has the ability to have an immediate impact, and for all intents and purposes, has already shown you what that impact can be, particularly in that that first opening drive of that Chargers preseason game, his ability to get open, uh, the catches that he's able to make, things like that. And then over on the defensive side, one name that I'll highlight going back to the safety position is Tyron Matthew. I mean, he's somebody that effectively gives you a big time leader in the way that you had with Malcolm Jenkins at the position last year. Now you have leaders at all three levels in Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, and Tyron Matthew, which is kind of a staple of what this New Orleans Saints defense has looked like it pretty much since 2017, finding leadership at all three levels there. And Tyron Matthew is a guy that now meshes in with another new face like Marcus May, but also Marshawn Lattimore and Paul Sinadibo, last year's third round rookie who had a great season his rookie year, coming back for his second season and looks to uh, you know become a top corner tandem along with Marshawn Lattimore. But that secondary kind of you know lives and breathes through Tyron Matthew, and that's you know a huge impact. And he'll of course be a guy that has an immediate impact. And I wouldn't sleep on Kentavious Street either because I love interior defensive line play, and he's somebody that can play all the way from any any you know lineup any. Um, technique along that defensive line. He can get involved there. So it's good for the Saints to have that additional piece. Uh, Guys, it's such a blast and I'm looking forward to seeing how this NFC South unfolds here in 2022. If you want to keep up with your favorite NFC South team, make sure you check it out. David Harrison, along with his co-host James Jarko, every Monday through Friday over at Locked on Bucks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, Aaron Freeman, every Monday through Friday at Locked on Falcons for the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers covered. Uh, I, I do not stress to say, or I do not um, hesitate at all to say, um, unlike anywhere else that can offer you coverage on the Carolina Panthers, literally no one does it like Julian Council, who you can check out over at Locked on Panthers every Monday through Friday. And of course, Locked on Saints for the New Orleans Saints every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Appreciate you guys for coming through. For all of you who are here checking out and wanting to know the best bets in the conference, a lot of us are high on the New Orleans Saints here. Our Jameis Winston believers, Lee Sterling, Locked on Bets. Maybe not so much. He'll tell you why here in just a moment as we continue on with Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network's Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. Setting the edge with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bet. All right, everybody. It is the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. Continue on. Setting the edge with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, the daily podcast, giving you everything that you need to know to make sure that you're bringing home some cash this NFL season, college football season, and all the other sports that you can imagine as well. Combat sports, a little bit of a uh, little bit of, uh, of auto racing talk. There's a whole bunch that goes on over at Locked On Bets, and we've got our guy Lee Sterling here to help it all happen. You can always get more from him as well on Twitter at Paramount Sports. Lee, it's NFC South time. I'm ready to have my heart broken as the daily host <laughs> of the Locked On Saints podcast. Uh, we've got the NFC South shaking up with a heavy favorite in the Tampa Bay Bucks. 
Buccaneers minus 275. New Orleans Saints in second place here, plus 285. And in Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons, both a couple of long shots here, plus 1100, plus 3000, uh, respectively. Where do you, what do you like? What do you not like here in the NFC South? Okay. So let's start with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, eventually, he's got to finally have a rough season. <laughs> it's got to happen sometime. Dang it. Gotta, before 50, <laughs> 55. This might be the year. Why do I say that? His offensive line is without three starters. Mm-hmm. I don't know many. All in the interior, too, yeah, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, if he makes it to week seven or eight, he might get one or both of them, two of the three back. Then tight ends, not the same. Mm-hmm. Only has one decent tight end. Decent. Uh, wide receivers. That he's without his 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 go to guy. So you add all that up, the product can't be as good. I mean, if they're as good as as they were the last couple of years on offense, he's going to have to play like he's 28, 30 years old, and I just don't see it happening. Defense is good. The defense is rock solid, but I think they're there for the taking. I think they're going to slide. The question is how much. Mm-hmm. So then you turn to New Orleans. I think that Jameis Winston is going to be fine. Not the problem. Question is, can Alvin Kamara stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Can he uh, stay out of trouble? Can um, Michael Thomas stay healthy? And can they solidify, or at least can the left tackle position be decent enough for them to get by? Yeah. So they're going to create turnovers. They've got Tampa Bay's number. I think they're going to be a fun team to watch if they stay healthy especially at the running back and receiver. They didn't have receivers last year. They I didn't mean, have a single one, Lee. <laughs> no, no separate. I mean, they're running. I mean, they couldn't even throw down the field. I mean, they would have been wasting their time. So yeah. I was surprised uh, that a couple of days ago, you dropped a stat about one of the uh, AFC teams having the least amount of separation. I believe it was the Dolphins having the least amount yeah. of separation. I thought that was going to be New Orleans all the way. No, yeah, no, but they had they to be second there. worst. <laughs> they were top five. I remember them being top five. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Is so, there anything about the addition of Baker Mayfield in Carolina that maybe intrigues you about the Panthers? Yeah, I, I think there is. I think it's a huge upgrade. And also, they've got like six receivers. Yeah. So yeah, they just added LaVisca Chenault, too. Yeah, um, I, I, I like that addition. You know, they're looking for guys that have different skill sets. And though I think they're going to run them in and out. I don't think they're just going to play three, four guys. So mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're going to change it up there. and. You know, sometimes just a change in scenery and change in a system, um, you know, can pay dividends there. So uh, I think Carolina certainly is a team that can be should be reckoned with. I like their over the most in the division. It's six and a half. I think mm. they're going to win seven, eight games. Not yeah. saying they're going to have a winning record, but six and a half, I think, is a little low. And then the Atlanta Falcons. This is a total rebuild. I'm on. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, they're slapping a little paint on it, you know, make it look like, you know, they're not going to – No, has a team ever said we're going with a total rebuild? No. 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 It's always – it's always – it's a reload. It's not a rebuild. Yeah, That's what right, they always right. say. <laughs> and Kyle Pitts is amazing, but not much else that I yeah. like there. So, um, yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna have to reload. Um, yeah. I'll be nice. I'll put it nice. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't play them. I think they'll win four or five games. Um, Mark Meredith's just got to stay healthy. I mean, he's yeah. his whole career he's been hurt. If he stays healthy, they can win five, six games. If not, no. 
Yeah. I don't know. You want to turn it over to Desmond Ritter too quickly, but I'm super intrigued to see how Desmond Ritter works in the future for that team. Uh, Tampa Bay's over under set here at 11 and a half. You think this team takes a slide enough that they come in under that 11 and a half total? I do. I think they're 10, 11 wins. I like the under there a lot. I Mm -hmm. like the Carolina over and maybe, you know, a leaner to New Orleans at eight and a half. I like I like them over. I think they win nine, maybe 10 games. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're 11-12 win team. Everything would really have to go right. They'd have to win a lot of close games. And that happens sometimes with teams. You know, you'll win four or five really close games. But um, I, I my probably my best wager as far as a total wins would probably be Carolina over um, and then probably New Orleans over also. And then, like I said, Tampa Bay under. Yeah. And that uh, Carolina over under right now is set at six and a half for that win total. Yeah. I think they come in above that. You, you mentioned that the change of the change of scenery. I mean, we see, we've seen it now with Jameis Winston in New Orleans to an extent, right? We got about six and a quarter games of it in New Orleans to where the change of scenery had a big impact for him. I think it'll have a nice impact for a guy like Baker Mayfield as well to run a little bit more of a collegiate system with Matt rule in Carolina. Lots of good stuff going on uh, over in North Carolina. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, favored right now to win the NFC division as we, or excuse me, the conference. As we've discussed before, the NFC is not the AFC, and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of have the edge here, plus 375, just over the plus uh, 475 on the Los Angeles Rams. Do you roll with the favorite here? I wouldn't. No. I, I think, think they're going to really slide backwards. So uh, yeah. he took some time off. Let's see if he takes some time off uh, during the season for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, maybe he goes from. So a mass singer shoot to you know some other you know I can see your can, voice shoot. Can you or something. imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine saying to Vince Lombardi or Don Shula, "I need to take 10, 11 days off." I can't imagine telling David Locke, "I need to take 10, right. 11 days off." Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, is there anybody else in this? Con- I mean, you've got the uh, you got the New Orleans Saints at plus eighteen hundred for the conference. I know the NFC NFC is weak, but that team in the Super Bowl feels like a long shot. When you've got the Los Angeles Rams, the Green Bay Packers, San Francisco Forty Nine ers also ahead, it would have to, it would have to be almost a St. Louis Cardinals type season. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, no, yeah, it was it was, a, it was who was it with Kurt Warner? Was it the Oh, it was St. Louis Rams. St. Louis Rams. Louis Rams. Yeah, that Rams. greatest show on turf. I'm thinking baseball. Um, <laughs> well, they were the St. Louis Cardinals before that with Jim Hart and, Very and that group. So, um, yeah, I, I think too much would have to go right. So you want to take a shot here. I think you just stick with the win totals here and mm-hmm. maybe winning. And that does it for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. Coming up in tomorrow's episode, we're breaking down the NFC West. And hey, it's game day on Thursday. And those Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams are going to have some stiff competition to open up the season against the Buffalo Bills. Can they make it back to the promised land? Or will the San Francisco 49ers, now led by Trey Lance, end up standing in their way. And of course, Lee Sterling actually feels 
pretty confident about how the Arizona Cardinals can compete within the division as well, while the Seattle Seahawks, well, simply continue their rebuild. We've got the NFC West coming up for you tomorrow. And of course, I'd like to say thank you uh, to all of you for listening and watching. I'm your host, Ross Jackson. And as well, a big thank you to our friends over at Odyssey. Make sure you find the ultimate pro football preview 2022 on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the video version will also be up on Locked on NFL's YouTube page as well. So make sure you check out all of those spaces to make sure you don't miss an episode.